I just think that uh, God is speaking right now into my heart, and I believe into the church. If we, you know, the Bible, Jesus said at one point, he says, for those that have ears to hear, let them hear. And I think this morning what we need to be able to do is hear the voice of God speaking hope, speaking trust, and, and not just, when I say not just faith, faith is obviously the most the only way we can please God, but the only way we can have hope is if we have faith. Because we have hope basically means that we believe what God says. So let me just, this morning I want to, uh, I just want to talk to you about hope. You know, this is this Christmas season. Um, let me just back up just for a second here. About 700 years before Jesus was born, about 2,000 years ago from us now, but at this, so about 2,700 years ago, uh, Isaiah spoke, and Isaiah was a prophet, Old Testament prophet, and God spoke to him, and he spoke so many different things about the, the coming Messiah, the coming, the Redeemer, the, the one that God was sending, and so he gives this prophecy that, you know, there was going to be a, a child that's going to be born, and that he's going to save the people from their sins, and he's going to be the hope of the world, and so, so that was 700 years before his birth. I don't know about you. But this last year has been more than I want to deal with. But can you imagine 700 years holding on to a promise? Holding on, I know God's going to do it. I know he is, and of course, you know, and the only reason you know at 600 years is because your pappy and your grandpappy and your great-grandpappy and your great-great-grandpappy told you that God made a promise. It's written down right here in the scrolls, Isaiah. And so hope has to have something to hold on to. And so at 700 years prior to Jesus' birth, uh, Isaiah makes a promise. Then at 400 years before Jesus' birth, everything goes silent, meaning that God quits speaking through prophets and through people. So there was 400 years. They call it the 400 years of silence. And we consider it from uh, the book of uh, Malachi to the beginning of, of the Gospels. So for 400 years, God hadn't spoken. I don't know about you, but I might be going... I don't know. Maybe maybe we're just crazy. Maybe we're just maybe we're just believing a pipe dream. Maybe we're just believing something that somebody said because they just maybe had done something or maybe their mind maybe they were losing their mind and maybe they just said what they did. If God were going to do something, don't you think he would have done it by now? Let me tell you hope is the one thing that God wants us to hold on to with a life grip. With a life grip. And everything the enemy can do, he will do to try to pry our fingers, our faith, our hold off of the hope that we have that God is a faithful God, that God is a good God, that he's been good to us and he will continue to be good to us. The, um, let me just start here in, in Hebrews. This is Hebrews chapter 10. And Garrett, I'll, I'm sorry I didn't give you the verses earlier, but Hebrews chapter 10, this is the NIV version. Uh, verse 23 through verse 25. Just want to kind of look at these quickly. And so this is basically what, what, what uh, the writer of Hebrews says. He says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. How many of you profess hope? Who professes hope? Anybody here profess hope? You, we say, I have hope. Do you? Okay, well, maybe some of us need this message today. Maybe a lot of us do. Because the thing is, is we have hope because of what God has said. And he says, let's hold unswervingly. Un, and matter of fact, another translation, uh, it says, so now let, we must cling tightly to the hope, he says, that lives within us. 
That's the Passion Translation. Hold tightly. And the thing is, is everything that can is trying to sift and grind and pulverize your hope. It's never going to happen. God doesn't care about you. Is there really even a God? If there were a God, then why? Ba, 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 ba. If God really loved you, if God really cared, if God, then why? I want you to know that God calls us through the scriptures. He gives us instructions on how we are to respond in hope. And that is that we hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. And here's the thing. If you're not professing or confessing that you have hope, you need to start. And you don't have to convince me. You've got to convince your own self. You've got to say it so that it builds you up. You speak to yourself. I know that God's in control. I love this song. I love the songs that we sung this morning. You know, uh, God is in control. God is the one that knows the beginning from the end. God has the power to change it, and he is changing it. But you know, the thing that he's more important or more concerned about changing is us, not the circumstances. Is us. You think about the, 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 the different ones in the scriptures. You think about Joseph. You think about Abraham. You think about these guys that had a promise from God, and it went on for 20 or 25 years before they ever saw anything. Now, 20 or 25 years is just a drop in the bucket to 700. And so for you and I, you know, maybe we've been believing God. Maybe we're, we have had a promise from God for something in particular, and maybe we've been holding on to it, and maybe we're getting tired of holding it, and it's like, it's getting, oh, it's getting heavy. It's getting so heavy to hold on to this promise, whatever the promise is. It's just getting, you know what? The hits just keep on coming to try and pry your fingers off of the promise of God for your future and for your life, for your children. Let me tell you where I, what, what causes me to take hope is when I look at the next generation, I love looking up here this morning and seeing all young people on the platform singing about God is good and the, talking about the future, about the hope that's to come. You know why? Because hope has to live in them, not just in us, us older folks. It's got to live in the next generation. But let me tell you where the next generation sees the hope. In the word for sure, but in us too. In us. Seeing us go through things that are tough, but yet we're not going to let go. We're not going to give up. So he goes on here. He says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Who's the one that promised? God. God's the one that promised. He promised us that he would never leave us, he would never forsake us, that he would never uh, allow things to come upon us, that he didn't make a way of escape. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes we don't like the way of escape. Sometimes the way of escape that he offers is the way of escape through humility, through brokenness, through God, forgive me. And some people don't like that. Some people go, I just want to stand my ground and, and because, because I didn't do nothing wrong and, and because, or whatever. I just want to handle it myself. But God makes a way of escape out of everything we go through. But we have to do it his way. His way. You know, hope. I don't want us to confuse hope and optimism. Because optimism is, is, is important. You know, I would rather be optimistic than pessimistic. And I have been both. 
but I'd rather be optimistic. But optimism and hope are not the same thing because optimism is a you knowing your resources, you knowing what you have. Well, I have this much money. Well, I have this much ability. Well, I'm smart enough to figure that out. Well, I'm sure that between the five of us, we can get this done. And that's good. I think we need to live with optimism because I believe that we need to work like everything depends on us. But pray and believe like it all, we know it depends on God. Because God can change things anytime he wants. But he's looking for people. He's looking for those that have their heart sewn in and they'll work passionate servants of God doing what it is that he calls us to do. So optimism, let me just explain this as best I can. Optimism is intellectual. It's up here. It's you thinking through things. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm telling you, I get... You know, I give credit to people that can think through situations and figure out how to solve problems. But you see, optimism is not hope. See, if you're saying, well, I'm optimistic about the future, I'm optimistic that Jesus is coming back, well, great, but you can't do anything to make that happen. As a matter of fact, you may, you and I may go into eternity before that happens, before Jesus comes back. So optimism is, is, is powerful and it's not wrong. But let's not confuse optimism and hope because hope is totally dependent on God and his promises. Hope is totally dependent. Let me say it again. Hope is totally dependent and based and rooted in God's word. And so when we feel as though we're losing hope, let me tell you what we're lacking. Not, not, not insight and, and intellectual knowledge. I just got to get another degree. I just need to, I need to go YouTube and see how to do that. Those are good things. I'm not knocking those. But hope comes from God's word. Because hope supersedes everything. Hope is divine. It's God birthed inside of us. Hope. There's people, even like with, 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 with crew, who's, golly, what, 10 months old now? Almost 10 months old? Man, that little guy figures out how to do things like, I'm thinking, how did he figure out how to do that? How do they figure out how to get out of things, how to get into things and, and get through things and, and get your attention? And how do they figure that out? Because they have an intellect. They have the ability. And even at 10 months old, he can think through things. And so as he gets smarter, as we get smarter, we have the ability to think through things. We can build stuff. We can fix stuff. We can organize stuff. We can do things. But hope, I'd like to see you organize eternity for yourself. We, our, our hope, I love the song, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. There's no intellectual thing. Somebody explain to me exactly how your sins were forgiven at the cross. Somebody explain that. Well, no, no, you're telling me what the Bible says, but tell me how it actually took place. Don't tell me the events that led up to it. How did you become righteous? Well, see, it's like, did you see it happen? No. Then how do you know? It's we, we, we put our faith in God. Faith without works is dead. We know that. But it's the substance of things that we hope for. Hope. Hope. Hope in God destroys fear. It breaks the hold of fear. You know, the word I would say that, that's been... magnified over the last year is fear in the world. It's fear. There's so much fear. 
people are afraid. And, and I'm not saying that in a critical way. I'm just saying that, that it's the reality that fear causes people to draw back. It causes people to, 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 to just to live little, to live small, to live reserved. Now, I'm, I think wisdom is, is important. We need to have wisdom. I mean, don't go jump out in front of a, of a diesel and say, I have faith that it won't kill me. You might live through it, but I don't think you're going to feel very good. I'm just saying there's, there's wisdom, you know. I, I think there's wisdom in doing things that, that, that we know, but hope in itself is based on God's word. It's not based on us being smart enough to get through things. So, but, but hope in God destroys fear. It destroys uh, everything, and it allows peace to come. You know what God wants us to have? Peace. He wants you to have peace. And I can tell you, in, in, just from our home and our life, peace is something that you can't really live without. You can, but you're not really living. You're just existing. It's just, we're just in survival mode. We used to have a commercial at the church here, and we used to run it on, on, on television. And you've probably seen it. I think I've seen other people use the commercial. But it, but it said that, you know, a man can live, humans can live without food for 40 days. And they can live without water for about four days. And you can live without oxygen for about four minutes. Then you begin to die. But you can't live without hope, not even for four seconds. You might exist. You might survive. But hope is not a luxury. It's a staple. It's something that God wants us to, to be filled with hope. And the only way we have hope in God is through his word. Let me read that verse again that I just read. Let us hold unswervingly, hold cling tight to the hope that we profess or the hope that lives inside of us. For he who promised is faithful. He's faithful. He who promised. So the hope of God is not based on anything but God's promises. And whenever the enemy begins to come and say to us, in one way or another, did, did God really say that? Did God really mean that? Is that really, does that even apply to you? Oh, that's Old Testament stuff. Oh, that was for people in, God was talking to other people. He wasn't talking to you. The devil doesn't care. The enemy doesn't care how he sells us on, on exclusion, that that excludes us. God sent his word to bring hope to every person, to every single person. And let me say that if the world we live in is limited and lacking in hope, it's not because God hasn't sent it. It's because we're not holding on to it. And the thing is, the hope that you have, the answer for the hope that lies within you, God wants us to be ready to share that with others. And I know there's this mentality that says, well, I, I don't really want to preach to people. You don't have to preach. Man, I was over at Walmart the other day, and man, I'm looking, the baskets are all gone, and, and I'm thinking, well, where am I find a basket? And somebody said, oh, I found mine over there. And you might say, that's a kind of a little silly illustration. I was happy to somebody to tell me where they found their basket. I think that for us, we need to be able to tell people when they look at us, and you can, whether you realize this or not, when people look at believers, when they look at people of faith, when they look at people that are born again, here's what they notice, whether they can put it into words or not, there's something different about those people. There's something different. And if you look at your life and you say, there's no, nothing different about us, 
then I'll pray with you at the end of the service and you can receive Christ. Because that's where the difference comes in. And, and, and it's not quality. You don't have to come up and qualify for it. What we do is we receive that salvation which gives us hope for a future. God wants us to live with that hope. Now verse 24, let me, let me go on, Hebrews. So the first verse, let me start it and go on down. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And then he goes on down, he says, and let us consider how we might spur one another on to love and to good deeds. What is it that I can do to help others? What is it that I can do Because you see, if I have hope, then I know there's a future and I need to make sure that everyone around me senses that. Hope you're having a good day. Hey, is there anything I can do to help you? Hey, is there anything, can I pray with you? See, those words have almost become, I'm not going to say non-existent, but less active because we're not around people a lot. We're just not around people. You know, we're here, here we are. But I'm talking about over the season that we have just come through because I'm declaring we're through this. We're moving on. We're moving on through this. This is not the life, this is not the new normal. What is the new normal? The past? No. God has a new normal for us. And it's trusting him and believing him and depending on him. No matter what comes, he has an answer. He has a solution. He will not leave us and he will not forsake us. So he says here, let us consider Hmm. Let's think it through. Let's use a little bit of our intellect, our thought process to consider how I can spur. I love the King James. My wife doesn't like it. How I might provoke one another. How I might provoke you. Dana says, that sounds like an aggressive word. It probably is. So let's use consider. (laughs) How we consider how we might spur one another on to love and to good works. What can I do? What can you do for those around you? Well, let me tell you where it starts. It starts with hope. It starts with you knowing when you wake up in the morning. See, you need, you need hope when you, when you lay your head on your pillow at night. You need a hope when you raise up in the morning. You need hope when you go to work, when you go through the day. You need hope. You need hope. We need to live with that hope first and foremost in our life. And not that we're running around trying to convince everybody else. Just live in it. Just be ready to have an answer for the hope that we have. That's what what the gospel tells us. That's what the word of God says. Be ready to have an answer for the hope that lies within you. But if, if you think nobody's noticing, you're wrong. People notice. I was at the grocery store the other day. Had my mask on. I was at the grocery store the other day, and I just saw some people. And, of course, it's, you know, it's funny how we recognize each other with masks these days. But sometimes, you know, people have a different kind of a mask, and I don't know who they are. And they'll come up, and they'll say something. I'm going, yeah, yeah, sure. I'm thinking, and they'll go, it's me. (laughs) You know? But the thing is, is I recognize something beyond their face. I recognize something inside of them, a life inside of them, a hope. A hope. You know, the people that need that hope is the people that live with you. The people that live around you. The people that you run into. But the one that needs it the most is you. You need to eat off of that hope. And the only way we get that, according to this verse that we just read, for he 
who promised, he says, let's hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, that we say we have. For he who promised is faithful. This is where we, this is where hope gets, you know, I had to go by and get gas yesterday in my truck. Had to go do some, run some errands. You know what? It was out of hope. <laughs> and we gassed it up. Some of us, we were running on empty all the time. And it's not like, it's not like, uh, you know, well, we, we use that hope up. I think what happens is it gets, it, other stuff comes in and it drives it out. It pushes it out. It, it pushes it down. It, it dilutes our life. And what we need to do is we need to, to, to look back and to say, number one, what's the God telling me? He wants me to cling fast, to hold tightly, to have a life grip on it. I would say a death grip, but that's not good. Death to anybody that tries to take it from me. But have a life grip on this hope. Hope. You can't live without hope. You can survive without it, and people do it all over the world. But hope is something that's theological. It's divine. Hope comes from God. It doesn't come from circumstances. It comes from God. So he says, let's consider how we can spur one another on toward love and to good deeds, not giving up meeting together. You can take that to mean what you want. But I think it's pretty straightforward. We need to connect with others. Why? Because you need something from them? Probably. But because they need something from you. When we come to the table, when we come to the meeting, when we come, whatever it is, when we gather with others, and listen, I'm not saying come and bring, I'm bring a message. I'm, everybody I see, I'm going to preach them a message. I'm apologizing now because I know that happens sometimes. That's not my intention. But the thing is, is we need to show up and meet with others and share the hope that we have. Talk to them about what's good because they are being, we as, as a nation, as a world, are being fed a bill of goods. Things are not good, and they're not going to get any better, and it only gets worse. And, and of course, we can talk about with well, the vaccine and all. And I, that's great. I, honestly, I'm, I'm excited. That's wonderful. But my hope was never in the vaccine any more than my hope is in, in this president or that president. I have my preferences with, just like you do. But the fact is, God is still on the throne, and Jesus is still Lord. And the hope that we have doesn't change with the leadership that we end up with. It doesn't end with, with a vaccine or with that. I'm excited for, for the vaccine. I'm happy about that. But the truth of the matter is, is that doesn't give me, that, that makes me optimistic. <laughs> but my hope is in Christ. My hope is in Christ. Amen. It's in Christ. So let me finish this verse. He says, he says, not giving up together as some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another. This morning, what do I want to do? I want to encourage you. I just want to encourage you. Encourage one another all the more as you say, see the day approaching. The day. What day is that? It's the day of the return of our Lord. The day when we stand before him. And I'm not like, oh, I'm going to stand before God. I'm going to stand before God. And when he looks at me, when he looks at us, because we have this hope, you know what we do? We stand with, a, with a, a, a value of being there because we're valued by him. I want to be there. 
I don't want to have to feel like i got to go into the presence of God on my hands and knees because I'm begging for mercy. I already got mercy. We've already got mercy if we're in Christ. This morning, hope. Hope. Optimism is great. Pessimism is horrible. But hope is amazing. And the hope is that thing. Some of us need to be, have a refill. We need to fill up our tanks. We need to be, we need to be stirred fresh. Because hope doesn't simply come because you hear a, a message that you like or because you listen to a podcast that really just got you excited. Those are good things. But hope comes because of the Word of God. And you hear that in podcasts. And you hear that in messages. But the truth is, the promises of God, the promises of God. Abraham, Abraham received a promise from God. And I'm not going to take time to go over this right now. But Abraham received a promise from God and he hoped against hope, the Bible says. I'm going to give you a child. I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to make your seed like the sands of the sea, like the stars of the sky. I'm going to bless you and you're going to be a blessing and you're going to bless everyone and all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed through you. Who are you talking to? I'm talking to you, Abraham. Me? You. And it took him about 25 years before it took place. But the Bible says in those 25 years of waiting, he hoped against hope. He hoped when there was nothing to grab a hold of other than the word and the promise of God. God's promises don't.